so Justine, yeah, you're definitely banned from using the hempwick. You almost burnt down our house. I did. I was a little distracted. I didn't pinch it out like I should have. And uh, it's okay though. You know? I could I could smell that hempwick smell, and I looked down and I was like, oh. Ten tiny fires. That's awesome. Yeah, ten tiny slow burning fires. Um, so yeah, let's. Uh, we're getting things sparked up, and today we're sparking up with the folks from High Stick. I'm joined by Ian and Richard, and uh, they're going to tell us a little bit about High Stick. So before we get into High Stick and what what they offer and everything else, Ian, Richard, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, Nice to meet you guys. Well, we've actually met before, um, but it's good to finally chat um, yeah. kind of formally on the podcast. Uh, I'm Ian. Um, I, my background is in marketing and advertising. Um, and so that's kind of what I've brought to the Delta 8 team um, for, for High Stick. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch on briefly but as part of our introductions is what got us into um, Delta 8 and kind of the journey that led us there because it's such a, a new thing. And sure. um, yeah, so for me, it was really, you know, I'd love to kind of say like that it was, you know, we wanted to make a better world, all that stuff. And we certainly do. I mean, those are values that we have in our personal lives. But um, for me, it was really a friend of mine hit me up at the right time. His name's Matthew, who called that you met. Um, and Matthew kind of reached out to all of us. Richard and I didn't know each other. We didn't know the rest of the team at the time. Um, but Matthew reached out to us and said, hey, there's this thing called Delta 8. It's basically the same thing as THC, but um, it's legal uh, and you don't get paranoia and anxiety. And I had just had my first daughter at the time. Um, so I decided for me, you know, I'm almost 30 years old and I was, I've always told myself I'm going to start a company by the time I'm 30. And if I don't do it by then, I probably never will. Um, so it was just kind of the right time and the right place for me um, and me having a daughter and stuff, I think lit the fire that I needed uh, personally to, to pursue something um, and start a company. And I think doing it in the hemp industry is great um, because I've always been a, a kind of a weed smoker that I, I, so I like to say I fell out of love with it um, because of all the paranoia and anxiety that comes with smoking weed as you get older. And, um, and so for me, Delta 8 seemed like the right kind of next step. Um, and I was really interested in being a part of it. So it really just grew from there and Richard and I had become really close buds, but I'll hand it over to Richard. Hey guys, nice to meet you. My name is Richard Ashton. My background mostly is in videography um, and some small business uh, guerrilla marketing um, where I came out of in Charleston, South Carolina. I also spent some time in the Marine Corps. And um, when I got out in October, I ended up meeting Matt, kind of similar how we all meet Matt, um, just kind of in a random bar. <laughs> And uh, he was just really, uh, he was a pretty interesting person. And we became friends after that. Um, not too long, like about, I say a year afterwards. Um, I'm out in Idaho and Matt calls me and he says, you know, I have a, I have an idea. I have a team kind of forming kind of like Avengers. And um, we, I, I pretty much from there was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for whatever, you know, you're concocting. And um yeah, I took the next flight back to Hawaii. And since then, I've been a part of the team. Um, a lot of what I bring to the team uh, is when it comes to this is going to be 
Um, some of the stuff I've, some of the leadership and the, the, the team building that I've got from the Marine Corps, as well as my exposure in, uh, in marketing. But the, the other part that's very near and dear to me is, is the aspect of this um, that is about pushing the narrative forward when it comes to hemp, um, the cultures, the peoples that surround hemp. And um, yeah, just moving into a positive direction. I love it. Uh, Richard, thank you for your service uh, to the country. And uh, just wanted to um, say, since you brought up videography, folks, I forgot to mention we're, we're on video right now. We aren't, but Richard and Ian are. And um, might I say so myself, you fellas look great. Um, so if you want to check it out, um, just go to uh, YouTube and search up Chillinois, or you can go to um, uh youtube.com slash Chillinois, and that should get you to uh, our YouTube channel. Um, another easy link is chillinois.net slash YouTube. Uh, the website is down for a rede redesign right now, but I'll try to get that link up for you folks. So um, if you want to watch this video or this podcast in video form, check that out. But guys, um, so tell us about High Stick. And I think where we should maybe start is uh, here. Where can we find you guys online? Uh, I know it's highstick.com, H-I-I stick.com, but um, where can we find you guys online, like social media and stuff? Go for it, Richard. Yeah, I can. Uh, pretty much it's uh, pretty lock and key. Just take our name and throw it into any platform and you'll find us um, cool. just like that. No spaces, no, no, uh, you know, dash marks. Right now we're on um, Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on um, LinkedIn. Uh, we've got some cool stuff coming out for uh, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and uh, as well as Facebook. Sweet. Let's start like talking about what Delta Eight is, you know, because that's really what High Sticks bringing to the table: quality, uh, trustworthy Delta Eight. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you've probably heard of CBD. Uh, you've heard of THC. You've probably used one, both, whatever. Um, so CBD is legal, um, but the federally illegal substance uh, that you guys, that everybody kind of refers to as THC, uh, is actually made, uh, a specific clause is made that defines Delta 9 THC as the illegal substance uh, within THC or within marijuana. Um, so that is what defines uh, a cannabis plant as marijuana is it's is Delta 9 um, concentration. And Delta 9 uh, was made specifically illegal by uh, Congress when they passed the 2018 Hemp Farm Bill. Um, so the 2018 Hemp Farm Bill, I'm sure all of you guys are aware, um, but just to kind of recap it, um, it basically made uh, the, the distillation, extraction, the use of any kind of cannabinoids within the hemp plant legal, so long as it contained less than 0.3% um, Delta 9 THC. Um, so we're just going to kind of, you know, Delta eight is, is a, is a tetrahydrocannabinol. So we're just going to kind of refer to Delta nine moving forward as THC. I know that's probably like not the right way to refer to it because Delta eight is technically a form of THC. Um, but just to kind of make it easy for listeners to understand, we're going to call Delta nine THC. We're going to call Delta eight, Delta eight, and we're going to call CBD, CBD. Um, cool. And that's kind of what the feds and the government will kind of arrest you for is, is that, that Delta nine THC concentration, at least on the federal level, obviously there's different States that have different regulations. Um, Delta eight is kind of this middle ground between THC and CBD that we sort of refer to as like THC light. Um, and it's extracted from hemp 
the exact way C- CBD is. Uh, well, no, it's not extracted the same way. It's Delta eight is not technically like an extract, but um, it, we basically pull it from hemp um, just like we would pull CBD. Um, and so it is legal. We, we use compliant hemp all the way through. Um, and what makes it legally compliant is like I said, it has uh, no more than 0.3% Delta nine THC within the, the hemp itself. Um, but the Delta eight itself actually has psychoactive properties similar to THC, um, but much less than what you would know as THC. So like when you smoke marijuana, um, you get high, uh, it, Delta eight does have that kind of effect on you. Um, but it's slightly different, uh, in chemical structure. Hold on. Sorry. My, my camera just turned off. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, so it's slightly different in chemical structure, which allows for Delta eight to be basically half as potent um, last half as long. Um, and then the slight variance in structure from, from Delta nine THC gives you a different kind of high, uh, one that doesn't have, um, the side effects like anxiety or, um, paranoia associated with it that you might typically find in, in Delta nine THC. So like I mentioned before, I fell out of love with smoking weed. Um, for some reason my camera keeps turning off, so we'll, we'll have to find a solve for that. Um, but I sort of fell out of love with Delta 9 THC because of um, the fact that every time I smoked it, I would get paranoid. I would get, um, you know, just kind of like too high. I would start bugging out. Um, and Delta 8 is very different from that. It, it, when you smoke it, you feel good. Um, it's like I said, it's, you know, it's half as potent. Sorry, I'm getting really distracted by the fact that my camera is not working. So I'm going to actually switch, switch over. Yeah. I understand it shows you a bunch of pretty colors every time. How could you not get distracted? Justine yeah, can't see this right now, but it shows a bunch of pretty colors every time his camera. Turns Let me off. just switch over to. And I'm just trying to be funny. I'm just trying to be okay. funny at this point. How can we not laugh, right? Anyways, you're talking it. about this is like this is the life that we all have to live right now. Hey, yeah, no, it here. it is. So uh, you were talking about Delta Eight, Delta Nine, and and your relationship with it and how it's changed. Yeah, to, yeah. So like more. so like me, like a lot of, a lot of people on the team, you know, we fell out of love with Delta nine THC because when you smoke it, you kind of bug out, you get too high. And I had always smoked since I was 16. Um, but as I got older, it just like, it, it stopped working for me. And I really missed my younger days when I would, um, smoke weed and have a great time. Uh, and Delta eight really offers that again. Um, my personal anecdote is the first time that I, I smoked it. We had been talking about it for a while. We, you know, we had been planning it. We had gotten our manufacturing stuff. We were kind of looking at it and we finally got our first prototype in hand. And it was like the day that I was going to um, the zoo with my daughter. So I was like being a responsible father, I decided to get high on the job. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I just felt good. Like I, I went to the zoo. I had a great time. I had the giggles for the first time since I was 16. Like for me, my Delta 8 experience was so new and so great that um, I was really proud of the product that we made. And um, obviously we, w- we did some refining from there to make sure that we could create the best possible Delta 8 because there's a lot of um, lack of regulation and we wanted to make sure that we weren't one of those companies doing something bad. Um, so we refined the product from there, but I think you know the net net is that Delta 8 is just like a better version of THC. Um, Richard, I want, I want to hear your, your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when I got out of the military, I mean, I was still kind of adverse to doing any kind of drugs at all. Um, but one thing, I mean, I definitely had that I came out with was a lot of injuries, injuries that kind of stick with me. And so when I, when I first tried it, uh, I mean, not only did it 
take away a lot of the anxiety that I was feeling, but I pretty much use it every night uh, for sleeping because I mean, I can't sleep without it at this point because it just takes away just, I'll be tossing and turning and I just have my shoulder. I've torn my shoulder out just a little background. I've turned my shoulder out. I've, I pulled both my discs and my lower back. I've got knee issues. I've got ankle issues. And so for me, it was something that was just, it was something that, cause when my experiences before, you know, as a, before I, you know, as a kid and like when I would smoke, I mean, obviously it would be, you know, joints and, you know, spliffs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was just, to me, it was just really intense and it kind of, it was an inebriating thing for me, at least. I know everyone's experience is different, but with Delta 8, especially with what we've created, I felt it was like smoother. And, and you know, even my girlfriend, she says it's, it's kind of more of a happy high. And the pain aspect of it was really, really important because like, that's something that I live with. So it's something that really helped me out. So tell us and show us, Ian, I know you've got some uh, on hand, what you guys have created. Tell us about high stick. Yeah. So here, um, this is kind of my go-to is this high stick. Um, this is our diffuser. Um, so this is kind of an all-in-one solution. It, it's got a battery. It's got a little tank with like a ceramic coil inside. Um, and that allows you to kind of just diffuse the, the contents really simply. Um, we're working on the hardware. I know Cole, um, you're, you had experience with this uh, a couple months back, but with our first batch of product, we actually had a little bit of, of burning going on with this um, when, we, when it first kind of came out of the box. Uh, we've since then you know, refined our hardware. We've kind of figured out where the solves are um, because it's, you know, it's essentially like a vaporization diffusion device um, and it doesn't work the same way that like a jewel would or a, or a vape would or like our carts would over here, for example, right? Like I have a, a cart here. Um, so we have the, the, these diffusers and we've done a lot of R and D on the hardware to make it perfect. And we finally landed on something that we're really happy with. Um, right now we're in market with this one that I have right here. We're actually, um, we have some solves that people have kind of asked for. They wanted a rechargeable device. Um, and then they also kind of wanted us to introduce new, new terpenes. So we're going to be releasing that, um, actually next week, uh, on January 30th. Um, so that's when we're going to be releasing a bunch of new hardware and a couple of these products here that are exclusive to this Chillinoy podcast, uh, interview. We have our tinctures. Um, so those will be coming out next week. Um, and then nice. we have our, our cartomizers, which, um, you know, there's currently a bunch in the market right now. Um, the packaging looks different and there's been a lot of questions around education. People have a lot of questions about this product. Um, what are terpenes? Um, what is Delta 8, what's inside your product. And so what we wanted to do is help solve some of those questions on the box. Um, so we moved over to a kind of this new design that I think uh, keeps with our brand image of trying to be minimal and clean and, and, and premium, um, but also helps inform the customers uh, and, and inform the general public on what this product is. Uh, so that's kind of where we're moving right now. We also have some other exciting products coming out. Um, one is kind of an exclusive product to high stick that um, I don't know if I can go too much into detail, um, but essentially we're going to be creating these, this um, sort of like a crystal light package that uh, infuses in with like your tea or your coffee or your, or your seltzer, um, whatever it is that you're drinking on hand. Um, so I won't go too much into detail on that. That's, that's going to be a big one for us, but it's coming out very soon. 
Um, we've R&D'd the whole process around that. And we've made sure that we found like the sustainable suppliers that we like, make sure the process is up to snuff to our standards. Um, and that's going to be coming out soon as well. So our full line of products, we really have the cartomizers, which is a one gram. We have these um, diffuser sticks, uh, which are 500 milligrams um, or half gram. Um, and then you get about 300 puffs. We're hoping to introduce these rechargeables here soon. Um, and then we also have the tinctures um, and those will be coming out um, next week. Uh, and those are sublingual. So you drop them on, underneath your tongue. Um, and we packed them around three different types of need states. So as Richard said, he likes to use his to help fall asleep. So we kind of have our mellow tinctures that are coming out. Um, but Delta also offers a lot of benefits when it comes to like the clarity and the focus um, when you're using it. So like, like I mentioned, when you're on Delta nine, when you're on smoking marijuana, you can kind of get foggy headed. So what we have done is created different products around those different need states, um, like mindfulness, right? Which is kind of like your, your mid afternoon product. Um, it's something that doesn't put you to sleep, but doesn't, um, doesn't amp you up. And then we have our, our, um, our motivate, which is, which goes really well with coffee. Um, it's the kind of thing that helps you find focus. Uh, it's that it's the kind of product that, that helps you stay motivated. It keeps you awake. It's, it's very much like a sativa strain. Gotcha. Like you, are you saying you put the tincture in your coffee or you like take the tincture with your coffee? I mean, you could, um, no, but the, the recommended way to take these tinctures is sublingually because, um, when you take a tincture and you eat it or you, or you drink it, um, it doesn't have the same effect as when you, when you, um, administer it underneath your tongue. Um, so that's why the infusers are going to be so big because they're, they're going to be the kind of thing that you can mix with your coffee. Um, but the tinctures, I just, I take that and then I, I drink coffee with it. Um, and we also offer those in the sticks as well in the carts. Um, you know, if you, if your preferred, uh, mechanism for consumption is, is a vapable or an inhalant, um, we have those, but we're trying to kind of move over to, um, more, I would say more different types of, of use cases, uh, for these products, different ways to administer them. Yeah. The cart is very interesting. Like, uh, it tastes, it tastes really good. I like the way it feels. Um, the thing I, the, the reason I say interesting is because, uh, I guess this is normal to, to Delta eight now that I've looked into it, but it looks like there's like water in the cartridge. Yeah. Um, it's clear that we can kind of go into that a little bit when we talk about, um, the distillation process in a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's different types of um, Delta-8. There's like the clear, there's the amber. Um, there's just like different ways to produce it. Um, sometimes it's a sign of purity. Sometimes it's not, you know, so like, um, but yeah, we can kind of get into that in, in a sure. little bit. We'll kind of go sure. through the intros for a bit, but yeah. Um, and we've also done a lot of research around like our terpenes and, and finding the terpenes that we like, um, that we think work best um, and that pass the, the COA standards that we have. Sweet. Sweet. Um, yeah. So your COAs look good. And I'm, am I correct in thinking, I don't mean to jump to a community question, but I personally, it's something that came up for me. Um, your, your COAs are going to be changing soon, correct? Yeah. So our COAs aren't going to be changing. It's the process of how we go about getting those COAs. Um, sure. So the COA process, you'll, you'll kind of see that a lot of um, Delta 8 brands out there, at least the, the ones that are releasing their COAs. If if, by the way, if you have a Delta 8 product or a CBD product or any kind of hemp derived product and they're not releasing their COAs, don't even touch it. Um, I, I wouldn't trust it. Um, 
So that's just kind of like, I want to get, I want to put that out there. Like you should be testing for heavy metals, solvents, toxins, um, pesticides, basically any kind of residual stuff that, that can end up in your distillate. Um, but yeah, so our CO, so getting a COA, like I mentioned, a lot of these brands will release theirs every two to three months, sometimes six months. Um, and, and that's kind of like the batch that, that they'll be releasing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think what's important is to be consistent, be clear and be transparent with your customers. Um, because, you know, if you're testing every three to six months, um, you may not be testing all of your products. You may not be testing um, end products. You may not be, um, you may be using the same batch that lasts you three to six months. Um, but when you put it in different things, like when you put your Delta in a cart, like, you know, there, there can be residual um, metals, there can be residual solvents. So you have to test the products themselves as well. Um, and so whenever we make products, whenever, not just when we get the distillate, but also when, once we've, once we've um, injected that distillate into the different products, once we've kind of, before they go out to customers, we test the COAs. That's kind of a, a costly um, service that, that we're offering, but it's one that I think High Stick exclusively is offering, at least for now, um, because, you know, the next biggest competitor that we've seen submits their COAs at every three months. Um, and that's, you know, that's, like I said, it's not testing every single product. And um, the reason for that is a COA can cost anywhere from five to $800. Um, but, you know, in the spirit of being transparent and spirit of being consistent, um, we are testing everything. Um, and so, uh, we want to kind of get them out there and, and make sure that people like know what's in their products. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, the manufacturing process results in a lot of different, um, different outputs for different people, different brands. And depending on how you, like I said, how you put it uh, in, in the end product, it, it can lead to different results. So um, sure. we're making sure to test it as frequently as possible. It can be more expensive than rent sometimes, but um, I think that's the cost of doing business when when you care about your, your customers is yeah. ultimately yeah, like no, it, it's I mean, going to be more expensive. We personally feel more comfortable with that. So that's why I bring that up right off the bat that, that I'm, you know, I may have phrased it roughly, but we personally feel good to know that each and every product has, you know, uh, a batch number that isn't, you know, months old or whatever else, like you say. So uh, that's an awesome change, like you say, that that only benefits the consumer. So that's exciting. Yeah, we'll be rolling that out. Um, this month is kind of the first month that we're doing it. And then we're going to be doing it on a monthly basis uh, kind of after that. Sweet. Sweet. Well, um, I don't mean to bounce around. Um, you know, I don't want to like, I want to do this in a way that makes in, in an order that makes sense. Um, one of the things though, I was seeing on, on your website, um, but I'm conflicted on which way to go here. Cause I'm, I've got so many things that came up with what you just, with what you were saying. So the 2018 farm bill, is there, can I just ask right off the bat, is there anything new with that? Like for some reason, I feel like there is, but, um, is there? Uh, it, uh, what do you mean by new? Uh, just I, I, I have no like idea. recent developments just, with the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. any updated developments with the law, I have no. Um, idea. 
Yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about I think just the law in general. Um, so after the 2018 hemp farm bill came out, that was 2018, right? We're now in 2020, 2021. Wow, it's weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that came out. Um, it's not a stupid over- question, Justine. Justine <laughs> was laughing at me when I asked. I was asking that question. It's not a stupid question. <laughs> yeah. So so over like the last the two and some change years, um, there have been a lot of developments in the hemp industry. As you're seeing a lot of Delta 8s coming out, um, people are people are learning about what it is. Uh, and that's because of the 2018 hemp farm bill, which is now kind of allowing us to research this amazing plant further. Um, so Delta 8 is nothing new. It's always been in the hemp plant. It's always been in the cannabis plant, um, much like CBD has. But um, because of those changes in regulations, there's more funding going to research. Um, and that's allowing us to find things like Delta 8. Now, when it comes to the law specifically, there was a big stink in the Delta 8 industry this summer. I shouldn't say a stink, but there was kind of like this big moment in the Delta 8 industry where um, it was uh, the the um, the DEA's interim ruling, which was that, okay, we're going to allow the 2018 hemp farm bill to exist, um, but we're going to put some stipulations on what it means. And some of the things that people thought were going to affect at least the Delta 8 industry specifically was um, now you have to, to be compliant. You have to have, um, you can't have Delta 9 THC, not just in the end product, but anywhere in your manufacturing process. Um, So that was kind of a big thing that people thought was going to upend the Delta 8 industry. Us being, us knowing our manufacturing process, we knew that wouldn't hurt us um, because once we get into manufacturing, we'll kind of talk about the role that CBD plays in it. But we essentially knew that our hemp was kind of compliant through and through. Um, the other thing was synthetics. And that was kind of a tougher question to solve because um, is Delta 8 a synthetic? No. Um, is something, uh, you know, some some of the synthetics that you've heard about are, would be something like spice, right? Like a fake THC. Um, and that causes a lot of harm. And that's really what the DEA was targeting. Uh, with that stipulation. But because of the isomerization process, one could stretch the definition of synthetic to include Delta-8. We have spoken a lot uh, with our legal counsel, um, and we're confident that that definition will not stretch to include our product. Um, So we are not a synthetic product. Um, We've steered away from that. So that was kind of a big thing that uh, impacted the Delta-8 industry. Another thing that I think might lead one to think that there's a lot of changes going on um, to the 2018 hemp farm bill is that there is a little bit of misinformation going around about Delta eight. There's things like, you know, people are using bleach to make the the product look clear um, and that kind of stuff. And that's really, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, like, have you ever watched Mad Men? Yeah, I've seen it all. (laughs) Yeah. So in Mad Men, I think it's the opening episode where he says um, it's not, uh, it's not dangerous, it's toasted. And that was kind of the conversation that I think certain Delta 8 brands wanted to start around their products where it's not necessarily that other companies are using bleach because no one's, no one's using bleach in, to, to bleach their products. Like none that I can know, not even the worst brands are using bleach to turn their amber distillate clear. Um, but certain companies that released that information wanted to be featured in articles that said like, Hey, these are brands that aren't using bleach in their product. Um, just to kind of start that conversation. It's really, there's a lot of, I think, great brands out there in the Delta eight space. And there's a lot of kind of nefarious ones who are trying to take over market share of um, this emerging non-regulated industry uh, and using in misinformation to do that. Um, so 
and then I think the other thing that has kind of changed when it comes to like the legal status of hemp and, and another thing that's kind of come out of the 2018 hemp farm bill is the Moore Act. And the Moore Act uh, is what is a is a bill that was introduced to Congress, which we won't go too much into detail on, but essentially it's it it would allow for the legalization regulation of THC across the country um, on a federal level. Different states will interpret it differently, um, but the the Moore Act would allow for the legal use, sale, manufacturing of um, not just you know hemp, but also um, marijuana, and then um, it would also not allow. Uh, employers to drug test for THC marijuana as um, as like a as a as a schedule one substance it would remove it from that schedule one substance list so that's kind of like my layman's you know not 100% accurate interpretation of that more act but um, just for kind of like the listeners out there that's essentially where the changes have happened over the last two to three years when it comes to uh, delta eight legality of cannabis the legality of hemp that kind of stuff um, thanks. I don't know thanks for if Richard, if you had, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm like this high stick. Uh, I'm smoking the lemon diesel right now. So I might be rambling a little bit. Rambling is usually Cole's specialty. So it's nice to hear it from somebody else. <laughs> yeah. I'm working on it guys. <laughs> Richard, what's your favorite? Uh, do you have like a favorite product uh, that, that's been working well for you uh, that you guys offer? Yeah, actually, um, um, I would say, honestly, it'd be uh, between our Motivate, which is uh, the Lemon Diesel, and then the Mellow, which is the Granddaddy Perp. Or I think, Ian, correct me if I'm wrong, is it turned, have we, have we created it into Granddaddy Smurf yet? Granddaddy Smurf is our proprietary uh, GD, <laughs> Granddaddy Perp um, interpretation. Yeah. That one's, wow. that's the one I use for all of my, my broken body at night. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> uh, during the daytime, I actually did it. I'm actually, uh, I did a little bit just now, uh, the lemon diesel just because, yeah, I, I get really narrow focused and I like that one a lot. Nice. Nice. Sweet. Well, um, where do we go from here, boys? Do we want to talk about um, the manufacturing process? Um, I thought your initiatives were pretty cool. I don't know if you want to get into those just yet, but I, like I said, I was looking on your website and I saw some of your guys' initiatives. Um, but again, I, I want to do this in a way that makes sense. You know? Yeah, let's so. just bounce around, man. I don't, I don't, you know, we don't have a, this is kind of a loose structure. Um, and sure. I'm happy to continue rambling about everything. Hopefully your viewers can bear with my annoying, annoying talkativeness. Um, yeah, let's talk about the initiatives for a second. I think um, sure. I'll kick it over to Richard to talk about, because um, I've been doing a lot of talking. So I'll kick it over to Richard to talk a little bit about um, what we're doing with uh, our trees and, and uh, the Last Prisoner Project, if, if you want to take it. Yeah, so, you know, we've, just like I said in the beginning, especially the call we've been on before, Colt, you know, we really want to be an authentic brand and we want to be consumer minded, but we also really we, we want to give uh, value in, in multiple ways. One of the ways that, you know, we're doing is with our planting trees initiative. So, but the way we're doing it is different. We're not trying to do kind of a setup where like, Hey, we're trying to incentivize people to buy product, you know, and then we'll plant a tree. We actually plant a tree for every product that's just manufactured. Um, so we kind of get that first going. And so we've actually been able to plant 10,000 trees so far. Um, and that's in counting, obviously. 
Um, so that one's pretty cool. Um, because I mean, one of the things ever since I moved to New York, for example, there's this like really neat um, counter that you can um, go by that pretty much kind of uh, counts down how long we have until this is a little doom and gloom, but it counts down how long we have until um, it's too late to be able to like reverse kind of the damage we've done on our planet. I don't know if, you know, you Cole or Justine, you guys are aware of that at all, but uh, oh, yeah. um, definitely yeah. Yeah, not a, not a happy topic there. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But you know, it's the thing is for me, I feel like, you know, I think the, the age old thing is government should get involved and government should do this. And you know, I do agree for sure that the government should get involved. Um, but um I really think it's going to be on us. And I think one of the ways that that kind of manifests is in private enterprise, you know, you know, we have a chance, you know, when we create some, uh, a product, you know, that gets a lot of popularity, that's good for the consumer that people want to circulate around and it generates a lot of, um, you know, we generate a lot of income from this. There's ways that we can actually, okay, well, this is our chance to give back. So, um, the trees is just one of them, you know, uh, there's, there's goals to plant coral too, but essentially what we want to do with what we're doing with the trees is essentially to help, you know, feed the planet oxygen as much as we can. That's one way we can do it. So that's the way that we're doing it currently. And we, we're going to do more, you know, cause it's, it's definitely close to our heart. The second one, which is extremely important to me because it's one of the reasons why, you know, I was adopted, you know, and, and I'm grateful for, you know, not to get too deep into that, but I'm grateful for, you know, that my grandparents raised me, but, you know, the war on drugs um, has definitely, you know, disenfranchised, you know, my family and a lot of my brothers and sisters who are, you know, black and brown and, and minorities in general. So the last prisoner project is a really cool, amazing, not even just cool. That's an under, that's an over understatement really. Um, they're an amazing organization that is fighting uh, the criminal injustice and they're, they're helping reimagine drug policy. Um, so you can check them out for sure. Lastprisonerproject.org. They're amazing. I'm super excited to work with them. They do a lot of different things. Not only do they, yeah. So not only do they help, because you think about it, everyone thinks about it in a very one dimensional way, you know? Um, oh yeah. The person you selling drugs in da da da, right? You should go to jail. They don't think about how um, they don't think about poverty. They don't think about, you know, how that's the great mar marginalizer. They also don't think about even away from that is, are the kids affected? What happens to the children? You know, are they in a community where, um, you know, they get support? Do they have family members? And a lot of times it's not the case, especially in, you know, when you're talking about people of color and a lot of different um, marginalized groups of people who live in very bad areas. Right. So, um, you know, the kids suffer as well. So Prisoner Project doesn't only work with helping to reintegrate, you know, people who have been harshly incarcerated for, you know, these different types of policy, drug policies, but also helps the children get um, education and scholarships, you know, for, kid, for, for families who have been affected by it. Um, so that's really cool as well. That's really amazing as well. And so I don't know if you can tell a theme, but what we're trying to do is not just, you know, help people, you know, have a really great time, be present, you know, have a, have a product that's healthy and that's good for you, you know, but it's also good for the planet. It's good for our society. So those are some of the niches we're doing. I don't think I missed 
any of them. No, did no, I just want to add a, add a little bit of color to that. Um, my dad, he always told me growing up, leave the room better than you found it. Sometimes he meant my room, um, trying to get me to clean up my room. Sometimes he meant, you know, the room that I was walking into um, in school. Um, and sometimes he meant the planet. And sometimes he meant, you know, as I got older, that that, that definition has changed to also include um, the workplace uh, and, and, the, and the planet that we live in. And now that I'm a dad, a uh, 10-month-old daughter, um, that has become something that has become really important to me. Uh, you see a lot of documentaries, like Richard said, there's that countdown clock of how much longer do we have? Uh, and some of those numbers are scary. Like within my daughter's lifetime, we could, we could enter like an apocalyptic looking situation. Um, and so one of the goals with high stick is, um, to make sure that we're doing everything that we can. Now, some of the manufacturing processes around, our products or um, the products that we release themselves, um, you know, in full transparency, like, you know, our, our sticks are like metal with like a little plastic tip. Um, and we're trying to kind of move to like a recyclable option. Um, so that's something that we're R&Ding and, and that's kind of where the, the tree initiative came in is how are we offsetting our footprint? Um, and then we're also moving towards, um, you know, sustainable shipping, uh, initiatives that are reducing our carbon footprint as well. And then um, not just not just offsetting what we're doing, but to Richard's point, um, improving upon the world so that we're leaving the world in a better place than we found it. And it's always a learning challenge. Um, every company that you're going to find from you know, high stick to Apple is going to be running into the same kind of sustainability, sustainability issues. Because um, when you look at like the ideal situation um, for your manufacturing process, it's either you know, too expensive or not quite practical, or it's going to lead to a product that customers don't end up buying because, um, you know, it, it doesn't work right. So uh, we're trying to not just offset what we're doing, but improve upon uh, the state of the world as we found it. That's awesome. It's admirable and uh, I dig it. <laughs> yeah, dig for it. sure. I mean, I've always felt that companies in cannabis, um, I mean, no matter what, a, what part of cannabis or hemp industry you're in um, should feel kind of a responsibility to give back to the earth because if we're promoting something that's so natural that comes from the earth itself why wouldn't we want to take care of its surroundings right so I think it's awesome that you guys are doing that and that you took that initiative you saw that need and you filled it um, without anybody like guilting you into it you just you just did it that's awesome yeah, we're millennials for better or worse. <laughs> we care. We care yeah. about the world. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, you know, I do want to reiterate, like we're not perfect right now um, and we're working on it for sure. Like every time I think that's, you know, one of the questions that came up, I'll just jump to it. Um, Cause Cole, I know one of the questions that your listeners uh, posted was what makes us different. It's not just those in- initiatives. Yeah. It's also the fact that whenever we get um, new product out. Whenever we sell through a batch of these sticks, we look at our manufacturing process. We say, okay, now that we have a little bit more money, um, now that we've kind of gone through this batch, it's time to order a new batch. It's time to start manufacturing a new product. What can we do differently uh, this time around? And that's a process that um, we follow every single time. So with a new batch of product, like it would be great to continue continuously deliver, you know, the same carts over and over and again. And I think that some of those bigger brands do that, right? Like they found something, it works, they stick to it. We are um, competing against ourselves is kind of how we see it uh, to be better than we were last round, uh, to be better than we were last month. And, and so that's where that change is coming. So 
we're not perfect, but um, we are striving to, to be as close to perfect as we can possibly be. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so uh, just since you brought up community questions and I feel like, you know, you were just talking about, I just feel like this question relates. It's another community question. Um, they were asking, and you had brought this up earlier, the process of production and collection of Delta eight um, and Delta eight products in general. Um, they've also got a follow-up question, but I feel like that's a pretty big topic in and of itself. So uh, yeah, I'm super interested to hear about the the process. Yeah. Yeah. So the process, um, there's a couple ways to do it. Um, There's really two like right ways to do it. Um, Kind of the first way is you can take your regular Delta nine THC, your marijuana um, and convert it to Delta eight. You uh, and and using the isomerization process. Uh, but the problem is you're breaking the law by doing that because you're, you're the, the hemp, the, the marijuana that you're, that you're kind of running into the extractor and, and starting off your process with, uh, it's not legally compliant. Um, it has Delta nine THC in it. Um, and so that's one process that some manufacturers are using. And when you look at some of these big Delta eight brands, they come from that space, right? So there's really two places that these, these Delta eight brands that you see in the marketplace tend to come from. They, they're either a CBD marijuana company um, that adds Delta eight to their list of things that they're making. Um, and they don't change their manufacturing process on account of Delta eight, right? They have a system in place that works and they, they stick to it. And sometimes that involves Delta nine. Um, and so that's kind of the thing that, that, that you'll get dinged on if the DEA decided to knock on your on your lab's door and and take a look at all your stuff. Um, so you have to be testing through and through to make sure that that you're not using that that kind of hemp. Sorry, I'm gonna take a quick drink real quick. The other process that we use um, is we we convert CBD. Uh, and this is gonna be the layman's term definition. We can certainly um, you know, get into more detail about it in a, in a different time or a different space or on a follow-up episode or something, but I'll give you kind of like the 40,000 foot view and um, there might be little things here and there that have nuances, but essentially what you're doing is you're converting it from CBD. Um, and we use, uh, which starts with like your legal hemp extract or your legal hemp, and then you convert, and then you, um, you go through the distillation process to get your CBD, and then you take your CBD, and then uh, through isomerization, which is essentially using a Lewis acid um, to break down or dissolve that CBD, um, and then you let it react with heat um, over time. Sometimes that process involves like a stirring or a, a churning uh, in a vacuum um, to kind of remove oxygen from the process, um, and essentially throughout that process, you're kind of, your, your, your distillate that you're left with is Delta eight. Um, and so that might sound kind of like a, a big scary chemistry thing. Um, but I assure you it's, it's, it's the same thing as like, you know, when you cook, uh, mushrooms or tomatoes, um, you know, the, the process of, of isomerization happens on your stovetop and, um, it, it kind of cooks, your food to, to kind of focus on specific nutrients while, while boiling off um, other things that you don't necessarily like. Um, that's kind of like the layman interpretation of it to kind of put it in context. Um, but, uh, you know, the longer you let your Delta 8 go through that reaction process or your CBD go through that, um, that distillation reaction process to convert it uh, to, to Delta 8, um, the more pure it becomes, the, the higher level um, 
purity delta eight that you get at the end of that process. Now, some companies might use additional solvents or different types of solvents to kind of expedite the, expedite that process and, and make like a cheaper Delta eight. Um, maybe it's not as pure or, or um, maybe it's not as good or whatever. It's cheaper. Um, but that can also result in, like I said, lower, lower purity levels or um, a lot of extra crap ending up in your distillate. Uh, so we go the route of using the fewest chemicals possible through that process um, and, and, that is more time consuming, but it gives you a cleaner, more pure product at the end of the day. Um, and then kind of once you've converted that CBD or you've isomerized that CBD and converted it to a Delta eight uh, distillate, then you go through um, the, the CRC process. Uh, and that, that essentially it, it cleans out impurities um, using something like, um, like clay or like coal to kind of extract uh, impurities out of your Delta eight, which is why you end up with that clear distillate, like what we have. Um, some companies come out with like a slightly yellowish tint to their, to their Delta eight. Um, that tends to mean that that color can come from kind of one of two places. It can be their oxidization. Um, so because your Delta eight is exposed to oxygen, um, you're, you're getting a, a yellowish tint to it. And that can happen to your cart. So you can get a perfectly clear cart. And then over time, as you smoke it, as you've kind of exposed your um, your Delta-8 cart or your Delta-8 distillate to oxygen, um, it'll start to oxidize and, and yellow a little bit. And that's totally fine. Um, there's other ways that it, it can kind of turn yellow, which are is a result of impurities. Um, and so you wouldn't want to have those impurities end up in your final product. So the way to avoid that is to start with the purest CBD possible. So, um, when you have 99% pure CBD, which is what we use um, for our distillation process, you result with a higher purity delta eight. Um, that's kind of what comes out the, the end. Um, and so um, that's kind of like, I would say the process in a nutshell. Gotcha. Uh, thanks thanks for going through that. Yeah, yeah no. And I would say too, a clear distillate nine times out of 10 is going to mean that it has the most strict parameters for its production, which is something that we're really big on as well. It's awesome. Um, so, uh, how would you guys, and it really quick, um, I'll cut this and put it at the beginning of the podcast. Cause I should have asked earlier, where can we find you guys online? Uh, I know it's highstick.com, H I I stick.com, but, um, where can we find you guys online, like social media and stuff? Go for it, Richard. Yeah, I can, uh, pretty much it's uh, pretty lock and key just take our name and throw it into any platform and you'll find us um, cool. just like that. No spaces, no, no, uh, you know, dash marks right now. We're on um, Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on um, LinkedIn. Uh, we've got some cool stuff coming out for uh, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and uh, as well as Facebook. Sweet. Yeah. That's exciting. Cool. And like I say, I'll throw that in the beginning of the podcast so that we can uh, make sure that that's right out front. Um, so, uh, I feel like we've gone over this a bit, but it is a community question that I kind of want to just, you know, hear both your takes on Richard and maybe we'll start with you. How would you compare the, uh, feelings again of regular weed compared to Delta eight? Would, would you, did you say it was like, yeah, really level headed um, without the paranoia, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, I'd say you're definitely level headed. 
Um, for me, and again, it's just me again, I'm at the same time though, I'm 225 pounds. I power lift. I don't know. Sometimes some things it matters by body mass and all that good stuff. So I don't know if that's a thing to it as well. Um, but for me, like I, it's very intense for me, um, like regular, like weed and Delta nine THC in general, it's intense. Um, sometimes it's a, you know, depending on what you're getting, it's a body or a head high and it's typically very inebriating for me, at least too much for me, what I like. Um, and then Delta eight, you know, is for me, it's something that's, you know, it creeps up to that high and it's just nice. It's as clear. Um, and it's not like, it's not, I don't I think unsobering is inebriating, I guess is the best word to put it, but it doesn't take me away from anything I'm doing. So that's my experience at least. Awesome. Yeah, I would echo that. Um, it's definitely, like I said at the beginning, my experience, first time I tried Delta 8, um, I was at the zoo. I was with my daughter. I think she was like four months old at the time. Um, and I was able to enjoy my time. I mean, I'm also the kind of person who's like, fuck, there's these animals. Sorry, I, can I say that on your podcast? Absolutely not. Cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah. Um, I was like, fuck, there's these animals in captivity. I'm just going to bug out. Like I know myself, I'm just going to like, feel so bad for these animals. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I had a good time and um, you know, my paranoia didn't get the best. I mean, I'm not like a paranoid anxiety person in general. I think it's just like my history, you know, smoking it for over 20 years, almost 20 years um, smoking marijuana. I, I was worried that Delta eight wouldn't be anything different, but it really is. It's like, you know, it doesn't take you away from anything. Um, you're able to kind of clearly focus if anything, you know, like I said, I've been rambling on this and um, I've been smoking that lemon diesel, which is, you know, it's a talkative strain. It's like what, it's what lemon diesel does, um, but you're able to kind of stay focused and um, clear headed and coherent and on topic. And um, I just kind of use it throughout my day, whether it's the beginning of the day with coffee, um, I'm taking that lemon diesel and then midday to kind of get rid of the jitters from the coffee. I'm taking that, uh, that mindful, that, that pineapple express or the blue dream. Um, and then I'm kind of closing out my night with, um, our mellow, our mellow strain. And that's our granddaddy Smurf. Um, and that helps you relax, wind down, um, lets the muscles become less tense. Um, so it's just, I don't know, like it's a clear, but you really just have to try it. Gotcha. And I, uh, earlier I had said that first question when I asked about the process of production and collection, um, I had said there was a follow-up question, but it was basically just that it was their question, their follow-up question, which I feel like we did answer, but I do want to read it on air. Also, what are their favorite things about using Delta eight versus other cannabis derivatives? It said, it, you guys have basically touched on that a few times. So I just wanted to make sure that that person knew their question was heard. Um, so yeah, the other thing is you don't, you don't feel like you're too high ever. I think it's like the point that I would want to drive home, right? Like yeah. I, I ripped through a lot. I mean, you can't overdo it, um, but yeah, like you don't get too high. Yeah. Yeah. You can do or overdo anything folks. So yeah, take it, take it with certain. Yeah. Don't just assume that because it's illegal that you can just rip on this thing and hop in your car, folks. Take a, you know, experiment with it at night and everything. But Hey, one thing I do want to say, I like about your carts um is that they're c-cells i'm a huge fan of c-cell and i don't have any partnership with c-cell at all i just fucking love their carts like i personally will go out of my way to buy c-cells when i'm filling my own carts so um i thought that's cool that you guys do uh ceramic c-cells 
Yeah, CISO was, um, that was kind of a learning curve for us because um, when we first made our very first batch of carts, we were kind of using, we we weren't like aware of the big difference between C-Cell and um, kind of like those knockoff ceramic brands. So we had uh, our first batch of carts weren't C-Cell. Um, and then as we kind of moved forward, we heard back from the community and we really, really like, like some of our carts, like the bottoms were falling off and we realized that it was because C-Cell is the industry leader and yeah. where we were using these knockoffs. Um, so we switched to using C-Cell and that's kind of where that came from. Uh, just a lot of community feedback. Hell yeah, I love it. They taste good. They taste very good. So um, uh, I guess another question from the community, um, I don't mean to be, I feel like I'm rambling again, Justine, so make sure to hop in here if you have anything, but uh, just just trying to read, you know, questions from the community. They were saying, you know, your guys' COAs look really good. They said some of the best that they've seen, metals, pesticides, and the big one for me, residuals, they're all there. Um, they asked, um, the most glaring thing missing is potency, which I saw that you, I saw that you answered, but um, yeah, do you want to answer what your previous batch tested out at? And, um, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't want to release a product into the market. Um, that's really anything below 95%. Um, so I mean, I think our COAs do show um, potency, um, but yeah, I mean, we do, we, we aim to have the highest purity possible. And if, if it falls below a certain threshold, we, we kind of are like, okay, what's going on? Like, is it, where's the problem happening? Um, let's send back that batch or let's, let's redo our batch or let's figure, let's find something to make it work um, so that we do kind of have that like higher purity product. Um, but yeah, we try to consistently aim for, for that, that target. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, when you start with like the purest CBD possible, you get um, and you follow that process and, and give it time. Um, you know, it is an expensive process, which will reflect in the price points, at least of, of high quality Delta 8 um, carts. Uh, but it's a time consuming process. And, and we always try to make sure that we don't fall below that threshold. We also try to release our COAs now that we're moving to this monthly system. Um, you're going to see not just like the purity of this month's COA and, and, and the product that's out now, but we're gonna also have that historical precedent there so that you can see through and through that we're being consistent. Um, so we'll have last month's COAs up and then the months before, as, as time goes on, you'll be able to see kind of um, the degree of variance that's happening between uh, each, each new batch. Yeah, so folks, if you wanna check out the uh, COAs, it's at highstick.com. Once again, that's H-I-I-stick.com slash lab hyphen tests and you'll see the uh selection of coas um as well as some other information about high sticks so um definitely check that out yep and then um just to kind of close out that piece on um on intensity now what we do have is different products with different levels of intensity so when we release our tinctures next week you're going to get um two different types. So you're going to have your 1500 and your 600 milligram. Um, so those are for people who maybe want a more intense high or a more intense experience or have a higher tolerance versus that 600, which is a little bit more entry level. Um, so that's where that comes in. Our carts are a thousand milligrams. It's a gram, um, highest purity distillate that we could possibly provide. And then um, same thing with our, our diffusers. 
And then we're going to, when we introduce our infusion powder, I'm not going to say too much about that, but that'll also come in, in different variances as well. Awesome. This is exciting. This is exciting. Yeah. And I'm looking at at least the, the Delta eight distillate COA and I see your 95.0, at least this most recent one um, is 95.06%. So or yeah, getting close to that. cannabinoids. So yeah. Yeah. Getting close to that 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 um, that threshold for us. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, where do we go from here, folks? Uh, so I guess one of the questions I did have uh, this is kind of so you were talking about the More Act earlier, and I think maybe those are one of the questions. And I don't mean to put you on the spot on this one, um, but what? You know, I was reading on marijuanamoment.net. It was published four weeks ago uh, from Kyle Yeager. We read marijuanamoment.net all the time, don't we, Justine? <laughs> um, it's a good website. But anyways, uh, they were talking about a potential congressional ban on mailing e-cigarettes. Now it would only be for USPS. But how, like, have you guys had to react on that at all? And again, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot. I'm just curious. Yeah, no, nothing is off limits. Um, like I said, we're trying to be a trans as transparent as possible. So, you know, when we have answers, the public gets answers from us. Um, so I'll, I'll start. And then I like, again, I've been rambling a lot. So I'll let Richard kind of jump in um, if he has anything to add. But yes, um, so the ban on e-cigarettes through USPS specifically uh, is going to be in effect. Uh, I think it's 90 days after, um, what was it the 26th? When, when it when it passed, so 90 days after that. Um, so that impacts USPS, which is our current um, postal carrier provider. But we were actually looking to switch to a different one um, just because during the holiday rush, a lot of people got their products late. Um, sure. And that happens like out of our control. You know, we ship it day of or next day. Like that's, we consistently, like we have a great team on the ground who's, who's packaging and sending all of these products. Um, so we switched to a new postal carrier, uh, to solve that issue. Um, and serendipitously, it, it sort of also solved our USPS issue that came out as a result. Um, now that is something that I think other like carriers are going to follow suit with. Like you're already seeing FedEx is, is even though they're not mandated, like they're doing the same thing where they're not going to ship e-cigarettes. Um, there's also some compliance laws where you have to verify age, um, but we've kind of baked our costs in for those things because we've always had regulation um, on our mind. And so we knew looking at the e-cigarette industry, um, looking at like food and drink industry, that there's different things that you have to do, right? Like you have to make sure that you have, you're producing the stuff in labs that are certified. So we have our ISO and CGMP certifications um, that are making sure that our products are up to snuff um, for regulation um, so that when regulation hits, we're just, it's a smooth sale for us. Um, and then the same thing happens when it comes to like the shipping process. Um, you can't be delivering this stuff to somebody who's under 21. Uh, so we have our age verification on our site. We also do age ver air verification on pickup. Um, USPS hasn't been the best at it. So that's, I think, why they got specifically targeted by the government um, is because sometimes they'll just leave a 21-year-old plus product on someone's front doorstep. Um, and then you also have to do age verification on your site. So those are some of the changes that we uh, kind of have coming up. It's not going to affect our price point at all. So, um, you know, the end consumer, they're not going to see any issues. 
we're still going to kind of do our flat rate shipping price that we've kind of historically delivered. Um, so any of those costs that come with those changes, the company um, is taking that cost on ourselves. We're not extending that cost onto the customer, um, like some of these other brands who are just like, hey, you are running out of options for your shipping. Um, and so we're going to make you pick your shipping option. We're going to make you pay like the difference. Um, we are trying not to do that. We feel like this is a great product. Um, we stand behind it. Uh, we feel like it's regulation ready. And so we don't want, we want to reduce any friction or any hiccups um, that would result in people not being able to, to try our product. But Richard, go ahead. No, I mean, all that was on point. I think I need to honestly smoke some more lemon diesel to get on your level right now. <laughs> yeah, no, the other thing, the other way that we're, you know, continuing to adjust um, is just increasing our retailers. So we're growing every day. And so that's another thing that's going to help as well as if, you know, um, again, we're not worried about that at all. Um, we're kind of always, we, we're very, uh, we always expect the worst. And so we prepare and we do and we move and we do everything we do in that kind of a mindset. Um, it's stressful for us, but it's great for our consumer because they win. So um, that's pretty much all I have to say on that. The more we grow in retailers and uh, is also going to allow for more conveniency to uh, the consumer. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, I'm, it's very unfortunate that you guys have to experience, you know, the the ripple effect of the stigma and all this stuff that now they're banning vapes and trying to make it harder and harder to get that stuff. And well, it's um, just the it was just USPS, uh, USPS uh, shipping ban. Well, and, USPS, yeah, yeah, and FedEx. But I, oh, I, I see your FedEx. point. Well, they weren't explicitly called out, but they, I think they, they just took like the complying. initiative upon themselves to, to comply <laughs> gotcha. with that law. And I think it's, uh, to your point, Justine, it, it really is like a sign of things to come, right? Like this is, it's always just the start. Um, we're anticipating this to become way more prolific than it is. But like Richard said, we're not worried about it. Um, it does put a little bit of stress on us, um, you know, in terms of like our operations. But I mean, that like, that's, that's kind of the cost of doing business and, and doing something well. Um, and also not everybody wants vapes, you know, like there's this huge segment of the market right now. True. Because um, Delta 8 is very exclusive to like carts right now. And there's a couple of companies doing tinctures. Um, some of them are doing it well. Some of them are not doing it well. Um, some of them are just not transparent. So we don't know if they're doing it well or not. Um, but we stick to doing our, our stuff well and not everybody wants vapes. Um, so we're trying to, like I said, supply different options. Um, we've looked at edibles, we've looked at, um, just kind of different things like gummies, those kinds of things. And, um, we've said no for certain reasons for us. Um, we want to make sure that we're delivering products that make sense for our consumer, that makes sense for the lifestyle. I mean, we've done a lot of research into the lifestyle and, um, things that we can ship and, and things that will, um, just make it easier on the customer to, to really try Delta eight. I'm excited for those tinctures. I'm really excited for the tinctures. I'm excited for the yeah. powder that you can put into a drink. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to be that. awaiting that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's also going to be the first of its kind as well. So yeah, you guys are definitely going to in for something. Yeah, we'll give you guys a little sneak, uh, a little insider information. The, the process of creating a Delta 8 powder um, comes with its own like huge group of, um, I would say, like obstacles you have to overcome. Um, because getting it into a powder is, is not as simple as, as it is for something like, I don't know, CBD or THC. Um, and 
can't go into the process at all. Uh, it's very proprietary. It helps us deliver the quality of Delta 8 that we put into our um, tinctures, the quality of Delta 8 that we put into our, our smokables. Um, so we can't talk about that. But no, it helps hey, us I totally it. understand because personally, I've never had a THC uh, like powder-based drink, drink mixture that does mix well so i totally understand right. like, some people that are operating currently in the market don't even have it figured out so i understand if you guys are working on something why you wouldn't want to get into it no worries there right well so um kind of like i was saying earlier too a lot of these companies that you're that are in the delta 8 space come from the the marijuana industry or they come from the vape industry so questions like these are not endemic to their brand um, they're not endemic to what they do. We are Delta 8 through and through. Like we didn't start with CBD and go into Delta 8. We didn't start with the vapes and go into Delta 8. We started with Delta 8. So that I think has given us an advantage where we understand the science behind Delta 8 so thoroughly that we're able to deliver a product um, like our infusers, infusers at a price point that's reasonable to the customer um, and the process that results in something that actually mixes well. Um, but I, I'm saying more than I probably should at this point when it comes to the infuser. So I'll, I'll cut that off. <laughs> cool. Well, I just like to reiterate multiple times in an episode. If you guys go to highstick.com, that's H-I-I stick.com. It's all going to be in the uh, podcast description as well. Uh, their social media handle and everything else. But if you go to highstick.com, um, you can find uh, all their products um, also in the top right-hand corner, you can see all their social media. So Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I'm actually at their about page. It's really cool to read. Um, you guys, you guys have some information about, you know, what is Delta eight THC? Is it legal? Some of the stuff we've actually already touched on here in the podcast. Um, so like I say, wanted to point that out for folks, if they wanted to, uh, shop, um, the products that's also obviously available on their website. So. Yeah. And I played around with the website a little bit before we went on air. And I think that not only is it just like a cool design, everything looks really like sleek and professional. Um, I found it really interesting that you guys have links to studies that have been done about Delta eight on your website. That's very good information. Yeah, we can't make um, we can't make uh, uh, claims, medical claims, um, because we're in an unregulated market. Um, so we just want to put the information out there for themselves, for people to um, read themselves, so that they can kind of come to an educated, uh, make an educated decision decision on their part. Um, so we just link out the information and let people kind of do their own research. Um, and again, like transparency, you know, let's, let's put everything out there that we know. And when we know something, we share that with the community. Yeah. So yeah, I guess you can get high stick online. Um, but also I'm looking, there's some official retailers. So I know that all of our listeners are not from Illinois, surprisingly, which is pretty cool. Right. I was actually looking, Justine, we have, uh, some listeners, at least 20, that are overseas. Maybe it's somebody using a VPN, but I'm just going to take, I'm just going to say that we've got people that are uh, not from the United States listening. And I think that's so cool. But anyways, uh, there are official retailers that um, carry high stick. Um, looks like there's some in Texas, Indiana, as close as Indiana folks. So if you're trying to get some high stick in store, I'm a big, 
uh, get it in store type of guy. Justine knows that. I've driven like two hours just to get CalMag before for a fucking growing because I don't want to wait for shipping. So I'm weird. But um, you can also get it in Ohio. Looks like uh, Virginia, um, North Carolina. Um, Cole's testing his geography knowledge. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I'm not gonna act like I knew. I had to zoom in and see which state it was in. I'm not gonna act smart right now. Now, now we're gonna trip you up and ask you if you know all the capitals. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Richard, was there something you wanted to add? No, I, I think. Uh, yeah, the other thing is, I mean, if you are a retailer, give us a shout out. We're always looking to increase. Like I said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, you know, Illinois specifically, I mean, Cole, you know, I just moved to Chicago. We've, we've chatted about that. Um, and it sounds like you and Justine both um, moved into a, a new house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Down here in Southern Illinois. Southern <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We're, we're trying to get into uh, Illinois. It's, it's, we've noticed that, um, you know, retailers in more rural regions work really well because um, they have a strong relationship with their customers. And that really helps overcome that like education and trust barrier. Um, when you know your local store owner um, sure. and he's like, Hey, Hey, I've tried this. This is good. I've talked to this company, test it out. Like people are more willing to try it out um, versus, you know, an urban, like an urban uh, shop where um, they don't know, they don't necessarily have that relationship with their customers and, you know, um, the education gap is still there. So um, we're, and then when it comes to entering a state like Illinois, where, uh, you know, THC is legal essentially is um, a lot of these shops, you know, that we've talked to, um, we've been like, Hey, we have this product. It's great. It's, you know, the, from a retail side, from a sales side, the margins are good. Um is, is there like, would you be interested in buying this? And a lot of those uh, shops are making it in their, in their back room or their, their garage even, um, or they're buying it, you know, from somewhere, the more reputable shops are, are buying their, their stuff um, from big manufacturers um, or local manufacturers uh, who are kind of up to snuff. But um, yeah. a lot of these, you know, they're, they're leaning into that like store owned proprietary brand stuff um, that white labeling approach. Um, so a lot of them aren't looking to carry competitors, you know, they're just looking to carry like their store, their brands. So that's kind of the challenge you run into when you get into, um, legal states is they're trying to be a part of like the bigger business. Um, yeah. they're, they're not just, they don't just want to be a retailer. They want to be, they want their cut of, of the, the hemp pie, if you will. Yeah. Well, a few people have emailed in that are, they, I said, they say they have frequent smoke shops or are actually own smoke shops. So I kind of bring that up. So folks, if you're looking to get into a retail partnership with high stick, um, go to highstick.com again, I'm going to plug it again. And there's, <laughs> there's a contact uh, tab though, and you're yep. able to get in touch with them. So yeah. Um, it's that's, under the wholesale that's tab. Also, oh, cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Under the wholesale Sorry, tab. Yeah, under the wholesale tab, there's a contact form you reach out. Usually we have someone get back to you within two two business days. Um, our sales team is great. Um, shout out to John, shout out to Chris. They're like awesome guys and they've done a really good job of building strong relations. So we actually look to our retailers to um, at least, you know, the, some of the ones that we have like really good relationships with. We look to them when we come out with a new product, we send them samples and we're like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Um, or we, we kind of go to them and say like, hey, what are your customers asking for? Um, what can we do differently for you? Uh, so we're not, so part of giving back to that bigger world initiative. We're also helping um, local businesses as well in that regard. We're making them a part of our company and we're making them a part of like the decision-making that goes on. Hell yeah. 
good stuff, guys. Um, so, which, uh, like, are you, which do you see yourself using most in the future? Do you see yourself moving away from vaping? Do you see yourself moving towards uh, tinctures? This is just a general topic we've touched on in the past on the podcast. So, and I just, I'm just asking you your personal comment. Where do you think I, I personally, I just, just to personally give you my like view on it. I think vapes always going to be around just, just in the case that you need like immediate relief, right? You don't have time maybe to try to, cause I know sublingual sometimes can take a little bit, like it's pretty close to immediate, but you know, gotta get it under your tongue and some people it's it can be tricky so if you're trying to get immediate relief vaping i feel like it's always going to be a nice answer but what do you think on the future yeah i think um honestly kind of hit a little bit i think the vaping is always definitely going to be around but if you start to see kind of the lineup of what we're putting out um we kind of want to have a kind of a full diversified um lineup so whatever anyone's jive is it's kind of what we want to uh, be in. I personally like I personally like the sublinguals and the powder way better, um, just for me, you know. But um, for those who love to, you know, ingest through smoking, we're gonna always gonna have that. So I think that's kind of where I stand. Also, to be perfectly honest. Sweet. Yeah, for me, it's um, you know being a dad now. Um, as you guys know, I literally have my vape here. I'm, I'm kind of hitting it, but um, yeah, for me, I think I want to kind of move over to like the tinctures a little bit. I mean, I've started to integrate the tinctures into my lifestyle um, and it works really well. Um, it, the, the thing I like about tinctures versus the vapes is that they, it's Richard kind of touched on it earlier, but it's a slow come up. Uh, it's a bit of a slower come up. And so that helps you get acclimated to um, the feeling that you're getting a lot better than if you're just like hitting it and then it hits you behind the eyes and then boom, like you're feeling it. Um, so, I mean, I definitely like, uh, you know, the tinctures and um, we are trying to kind of release it in different forms so that people can consume it um, in the way that fits their lifestyle best. You know, if you're, if you're a tea drinker, um, you don't, you're not about vapes. Um, you know, you don't like the taste of uh, our products, which I think deliver a, a, a really good taste. It doesn't really taste like marijuana we've, or, the, that that like stunk that skunk flavor um that a lot of these products have we've we've moved away from that um with a lot of r d on our on our terpenes um but if you're if you're someone who's kind of taste averse and and smokable averse i mean we do have um those infusers coming out um and those will be able to mix kind of with whatever you're already doing um we we looked at edibles we decided it wasn't right for us um but i mean yeah we're always kind of looking at new ways uh, to ingest these things and, uh, or to ingest Delta aid and, and find ways to make it like as user-friendly as possible and integrate into people's lives. Oh yeah. Cool. Um, another question that came up was market viability. Did we touch on that? I do not believe we did. I do not believe we have. So yeah, they were kind of, I, I, tend to recall what you're talking about where the hell did i set my oh here it is you know i get stoned and i set things places and see how it goes do you have the question pulled up if not i can i can pull it up as well 
Uh, I think it was like when I read it, I was like, um, this seems like more of a statement than a question. Um, but I think that, yeah, no. And if it is, that's, you know, that's not surprising. That's Reddit for you. So <laughs> let me let, hold on a second. Let me yeah, see yeah. if I can find what you're talking about. Cause if it is, we don't have to, we don't have to get into it. Um, but, uh, oh, uh, oh, I thought I saw it. Oh yeah. Um, they say, I wonder the long-term, yeah, they, this is more of a statement really. Um, well, let's get into it. Let's, let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. We got, we got I wonder, left. I wonder the long-term market viability. They say, I really think Delta eight products will have a place in the cannabis market edibles in particular. Um, there's nothing under the 2018 farm. They're kind of reiterating what you've said. There's nothing under the 2018 farm bill that makes the manufacturer of Delta eight illegal or its sale. I don't think it's crazy to expect states to start banning or moving, uh, he put in parentheses, taxing the sale to their cannabis retailers. So, I mean, he kind of touched on it, uh, but I guess what do you think about what do you think about his first statement? I guess the long term market viability. I don't even know, you know, uh, where to go on that. But do you have any, I guess, thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know if Ian, if you have anything, but it just off the cuff. You know, I'm not a veteran, you know, weed smoker, or THC smoker at all. I've used some CBD in my life, again, just mostly for pain. But being a new user, kind of a new into this into this industry uh, when it comes to a lot of these products and even my girlfriend and all of my friends who I even who have been veterans in those in those and come to this product. There's just a lot of excitement around it and it's new. I think everyone's going to have be apprehensive, you know, and question its market viability, but you know, this is a quality product in general us and you know, anyone else who's doing it, it's not even just about us. So, you know, we're just doing with what we have and we see something that's good and valuable um, that can help people and that can help, um, you know, even, even having it out in the market and it being fairly legal helps the conversation if you really think about it. So Sure, I think sure. I think for absolutely it's uh, it's it's going to be around long term and because it's it's new, you know, and it's it's just started. So, right. Yeah. Coming from my marketing background, um, this might be like a little bit less about um, THC as an industry and kind of more about, you know, marketing. But I mean, I, I've worked on some big brands in my time in marketing. You know, I, I've moved all over the country for it. I've um if I said any of them by name, I don't know where this podcast will end up. I don't, you know, I don't want to um, get anybody and, and, and be like, Oh, you gotta let, you know, we can't work with that guy. He's like a weed smoker. <laughs> sure. um, uh, but you know, I've worked with some big brands with some, you know, million dollar budgets and stuff. And um, I think the biggest thing when it comes to looking at market viability uh, in addition to what Richard said about, um, you know, having a product that, works for the entry-level customer who maybe isn't a weed enthusiast or a THC or a cannabis or a hemp enthusiast in any, any aspect. They've never had it. You know, my fiance, she has always said no um, to grass, <laughs> uh, not even once. Uh, I think she used to smoke it, you know, in her teenage years, we all did, but, <laughs> sure. um, but she's very, you know, she was very like uh, kind of against it. Um, and then I introduced her to CBD and it, she was like, oh, this is actually really good. And I, I love this. And then I introduced her to Delta 8 and she, and she likes it. So um, yeah. there is that, you know, the product does serve people who uh, are new to this kind of thing. Um, but from the marketing perspective, I think it's really about um, what we're doing with building transparency, transparency, building trust, 
building like a brand that you can get behind. Like everybody trusts Coke, despite the fact that it's literally like sugar water. Um, and, and we're they're, way they're, better you than know, that. You wanna, yeah, you want to talk about just, I love Coca-Cola too, but here's the thing. Like I'm morally conflicted because it tastes great, but they're the number one polluter in like the world. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. So it's and, like it's and so if something like that can can live in the marketplace and be a billion dollar company, <laughs> yeah. why can't why can't hemp? You know? Um so that's kind of my philosophy when it comes to it. The other thing is um our internal mantra is uh we build culture. And that that comes from the fact that Delta 8 is such a new thing and that we're coming into the Delta 8 space as a Delta 8 brand, not a, you know, like I said, tertiary, or we're not a vape brand going into it or a a THC or a CBD brand going into it. Like we're a Delta eight brand. And so we um, see ourselves as having to kind of set the tone of this culture. Um, And there's a lot of brands, like I said, who do a really good job and they have like beautiful packaging and they are very clear with their COAs. And, you know, those are the kinds of brands that we want to see more of in this space um, because they're going to change the perspective of Delta eight and hemp much the same way, um, certain brands in the CBD space did a couple of years ago. And now CBD is like so prolific. Um, it's become, it's reached the point of oversaturation um, where so many brands exist. You can, you can go to the smoothie shop and get CBD put into your smoothie. Um, even in, in completely, you know, non hemp legal States uh, you can, you can get that. So right. from a marketing standpoint, it's about building that education, um, making sure people are aware of it. Uh, differentiating Delta 8 from THC, differentiating it from CBD um, and making it something that is user-friendly that um, new entrants can enjoy. Yeah. And that's ultimately why I really wanted to bring you guys on. Not only the the fact that you guys are like pretty transparent and you're willing to go wherever, like, um, you know, you brought up the issue that you had with that you identified with the high stick. And I'm glad that you guys like, are transparent about that fixed it and are uh, like scared to talk about it. Cause some people are just weird in this industry. Right. And so I just wanted to thank you guys for not only being transparent, but also like trying like remaining to see you seemingly like are within the roots of this cannabis movement, which like you're trying to give back to the last prisoners project uh, your initiatives with the trees um, I also like, like you were just saying, you're almost like normalizing cannabis and, um, and that's ultimately okay in my book. Like that's, it should be normalized because it is normal. Like it's, it's as easy as growing tomatoes. Like you can grow cannabis and, um, some people are like, really like mi- they misunderstand, uh, like what really goes into it. And they like, like I even coming from myself, like before I was even before I had grown it myself, I thought it was this really complex process, you know, and it's really, it's just growing a fucking weed, you know, it's really, do you just water it and make sure all the conditions are right. And like, obviously you want to make sure, sure you have like, you know, quality water and quality nutrients and everything else. Right. Of course those things matter, but like when it comes down to it, it's not like you're refining cocaine for example like it's just a, right. it's an organic process you know and so for people to to get acquainted and get used to it and, and to use it you know without having you know some people aren't looking to get baked you know some people want that productive energy like you're you're talking about uh in the morning you know with what was it the lemon diesel yep 
yeah. <laughs> what I'm what I'm on right now, it's it's uh, it's something else. Um, but <laughs> it hey, yeah, I mean, talkative, yeah. <laughs> it's very talkative. There 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 was a review online, and someone um, called it said lemon diesel is a talkative strain, and I was like, that is why I, I shouldn't be right. Yeah, I have I have some like I'm not. I have um, friends and family members who are who are very talkative, and like when they when they want to try this, I just <laughs> lemon diesel is out of the question. I, you talk too much already. Um, but I, not to wax poetic too long, but the the history of why marijuana is seen the way it is is like it's rooted in racism and, and xenophobia. Yeah. I and mean, I think the first um, when you look at the earliest days of how cannabis was talked about in the United States, it was very very anti Mexican. Um, and then over time, it, it's been used to kind of disenfranchise people of color. And so um, that's where we are today. I'll, I'll, I'll hand that over to Richard because I'm, you know, I'm a cis white male. I, I can't, I can't be the one to, to, to champion um, that message. So I'll, I'll let, I'll let Richard talk about it. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, any advocate is an advocate and we love it and I love it. And, you know, the thing is I'm mixed, I'm black, Mexican, Vietnamese and white, you know, so I'm definitely you know, for even for listeners, it's like no one's demonizing anybody for sure. But it is very apparent that we're on the fringes of, you know, a history of systemic oppression. You know, we can that's a whole nother topic that I, I'm very passionate about for sure. But it, it definitely is, you know, it is in the heart of what we do. And um, yeah, for sure. I mean, Go ahead. I was going to say, are you guys willing? Because uh, we've, you know, if you guys have the time, I'd we've it's something that we've not really gotten into uh yet and it's something that i'd still like to return to on the podcast but i love the conversation about that you were talking about ian and richard i'd I'd love you if i don't mean to put you on the spot or anything but i'd love you to get into it like kind of where it all started with like william randolph hearst and how we like started calling it marijuana you know instead of uh what it is which is cannabis you know and um i don't know it's just interesting how it wasn't that long ago it was like our grandparents yeah yeah within life uh, you know a couple lifetimes yeah so yeah it's like our grandparents grandparents and it's really just like pretty much yesterday um and it's pretty interesting how it kind of played out but you know uh, mostly kind of what i wanted to hit real quick was you know i think kind of going forward for sure you know especially within the hemp industry, I think everyone who operates within the hemp industry has a, has a wonderful, especially in 2021 has a wonderful opportunity to rewrite narratives, you know, because a lot of people coming, you know, who are in the hemp industry in general, they're not your, you know, work in a box kind of corporate types, you know, we're regular people. And then the day, you know, so there's a really cool chance to bridge both of those and, and create really cool, awesome, like tangible change. I think, Going forward, I think more companies should definitely think about, you know, if you think about, is it, yeah, this is profitable, this increases my margins, but does it, end of the day, does it help people? And then the day, does this actually make, you know, uh, society better and, and it doesn't make, you know, the world safer for my children, for example, you know, you know, Ian's got Camille and it's interesting to think about how she's growing up right now and she's a sponge right now, I'm sure. And, and what is she thinking about things and, and, and what do we want to kind of contribute, contribute to like what she sees essentially. 
Um, and that should always be the, the end state, which is, you know, we need to know our history for sure. Um, cause it should inform, you know, what we do going forward. Even if yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me jump in with my conflicted dad perspective. Um, so, I mean, you kind of have like, you know, me growing up, it was like, I got in trouble because my parents found like, I don't know, shake in my car. Um, and, and then I, you know, I, I get put under house arrest or I'm grounded basically by my parents for, for weeks. And, um, that just kind of drives you to try like, because I was, I was a big, you know, weed smoker back in the day and, um, you know, I got in a lot of trouble for it. So I kind of turned to cigarettes and that's like a lot worse for you. Um, but I, as a dad, I, I'm kind of thinking like, okay, I am starting this hemp company that like endorses cannabis and, um, tries to make it something that people use in their daily lives. But then there's that William Randolph Hearst part of your life that is rooted in that racist, uh, xenophobic, uh, anti-Mexican, yeah, I would, I'm just going to call it slander uh, and libel that happened back yeah. in the 30s, where it was like the reason that, that marijuana became as negative as it was, was because of this, this uh, newsletter, this media guy who um, had, uh, who, who benefited from helping move the perception of foreign um, resourcing for things like rope uh, and, and those kinds of things. Like that was like, a, that was hemp, right? That was the, like Mexico produced a lot of the raw resources that they would use for um, like rope and, and, and just those kinds of things, right? To move that over to the USA so that people would buy more US made products, it became, oh, hemp is not something that you should be using in your rope because people are gonna smoke it and get high and lose their minds. And like that negative stereotype, uh, like Lord of the Rings, right? The, the ring passed on from um, story to, uh, or passed on from fact to story to legend. And that's what happened with marijuana is it went from this anti- or this, this um, anti-globalization uh, uh, story um, to becoming this like racist uh, anti, like this disenfranchising narrative. Um, and then so that creates this negative stereotype that still exists. And people like me who work in this industry, you know that like when you tell people that you work in the hemp industry, you know the stereotypes that are already popping up in their heads. Um, yeah. And so thinking about it from the perspective of a dad, I'm like, you know, when my daughter turns 16, like, is she going to be smoking a high stick? And um, I like to think that if she were, you know, I know what's going into this. Um, I know the process that's gone around through it. I, I know that we are making a better world with this product. And I, I know that I can give something to my daughter that I would be okay with her having. Um, and so that might sound like irresponsible parenting to people outside of the hemp industry. Um, I think your kids are going to smoke drugs and ex smoke weed and do drugs and experiment with or without your consent. Um, so I think, you know, for me, it's, it's about producing something that I feel good about um, a legacy that I can pass on to my daughter. Yeah. So folks, if you're wanting to read a little bit more about what we're talking about, it's, uh, the, <laughs> it's interesting that even the name is like racist. <laughs> it's just a good peek into history. Marijuana act of Ta tax act of 1937 the reason i say that is because they chose that name like that's like we've known for the longest time like if you look back at linnaeus's studies he knew the genus and species cannabis sativa cannabis indica you know that's that's the name of the plant and so this 
calling it marijuana was ultimately part of the demonization of it. But if you look up the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937, folks, you can do some research into, you know, uh, Henry and sorry, Harry Anslinger and uh, William Randolph Hearst. There's also like a lot of other, you know, rumors that maybe DuPont is involved. But another thing that's just interesting, folks, if you look into Hemp for Victory, it's a video that was produced by the United States government in 1942. Um, during World War II, and they were encouraging um, anybody and everybody grow hemp. It's great. We need it for the military. We can, you know, use it for all these materials. And up until, um, let's see, up until, yeah, before 1989, the film was relatively unknown. The United States government denied ever having made such a film. Uh, two VHS copies were recovered and donated to the Library of Congress on uh, the 19th of May 19th, 1989, and they ended up confirming that it was something that they produced. So it's, you know, folks, they tried to rewrite history. <laughs> they tried to be like, no, we we didn't do we didn't do that. You know, we didn't endorse that. So yeah, but when you have a brand like ours, you know trying to make history um trying yeah. to stop that process of rewriting history I, I think it empowers us to stand up to that that kind of government approach of like you said rewriting history and um yeah just just think making the public aware yeah i think yeah i think transparency is going to be the real big key it's almost at this point it's like you can't hide anything so what is the point of uh -huh. of trying to leverage people by you know compartmentalizing information you know, like even what Ian was talking about with, you know, how they were positioning it to be like this, this insidious substance, you know, kind of creeping across the border from Mexico, you know, but then then going from that to describing it as a drug, you know, for inner city and for, you know, for blacks, you know, saying that it's going to lead to murder, rape and they literally said that stuff. Right. You know, it's like we got to we got to talk about things accurately, but also it's like, you know, we're doing it, you know, we're doing it as transparent as possible because it's something that we're, we really want it, but it's also, it's, that's why it's really great for, you know, your guys' podcast too. It's like, you guys are creating, you know, amplifying that information people need to know to be able to one, almost unlearn things, but also kind of um, go forward in things with, uh, with, with the right information, you know, and, and it's all out there. You know, one of the books you wrote, you, you, you said it was really good and there's a ton of documentaries on it too um that are available now too which is really cool yeah um yeah and i think now the big fight is big pharma right like that's right. that's kind of like the our new this generation's thing that we're fighting against is the dollars that big pharma is investing in lobbying well, to it's scary to, too it's actually kind of like a mixture of big pharma and then what do you want to call monsanto like what do you want to call them big uh oh big ag big agriculture big ag there you go yeah i oh um yeah i did i did some i will cut it off at i in my marketing um background i did work on in big agriculture and there's some there's some great things that are happening in ag um there's some like horrible things that are happening see in, that's in the ag. thing i think that's i want to do i do want to be clear because i you know i bring it up and uh yeah there are good things happening in ag, but yeah there's horrible things happening too and so that's i i want to be clear though because i i hate it when people bring it up and they only talk about the bad things like also the good things are like that's the reason there's like vegetables at all stores you know what i mean so um, yeah not, we not live, all, but you know 
we don't live in a black and white world. Um, right. Like there's, there's good and bad to everything. There's good and bad to cannabis. Like let's yeah. be real. Um, yeah. There's good and bad to high stick. There's, there's good and bad to everything. Um, it, you know, with agriculture, there's a lot of things that are bad, right? Like, um, you know, one of the things that farmers uh, really got pissed off about was when Monsanto um, genetically modified their seeds so that when you produce a crop, like let's, let's, let's say, let's use corn, for example, just to make it nice and, um, and non-biased uh, in this conversation. But when it came to corn, like they, they made it so that your corn seeds that come from your corn can't be replanted. You have to keep buying seeds from Monsanto. And a lot of people saw that as a negative. Um, and that like, when you buy a product, you now have to keep coming back to the well to keep buying it. But then also on the plus side of that is you know what you're getting, right? Because like when you get a genetically modified corn seed, um, it grows into a very specific type of corn that you can rely on that uses less water, that uses like that produces less waste, um, that requires less nitrates, has a lo much lower demand um, on, on the earth uh, to grow it. But then, at the, uh, you know, and that's kind of like the trade-off there is like when yeah. you when you get that genetically modified seed you don't know what the offspring is going to be like um because when you modify genetics and then you let them run wild it can result in all kinds of like um all kinds of genetic variations that are sure. more harmful to the planet so there's like good and bad to, to everything yeah yeah and that's it's very uh nuanced it's it's a deep deep conversation and I mean, the, uh, we, we've had the Illinois Hemp Growers Association on in the past. I like to just talk about something that I never would have imagined. They talked about the fact that hemp is a really good um, rotation crop, you know, and, and so basically, uh, I don't know, maybe you know more and I'm not trying to like reveal agriculture secrets or anything, but uh, <laughs> it's the idea that like, uh, you know, uh, you grow corn and then the next year you grow beans and like i guess the idea is you could stick hemp in between there and like the soil would be better for the next year's crop or something like that um it's very very interesting so i'm yeah, too just, stoned just, to eloquently to uh, <laughs> describe but just to just to kind of give a little bit of like um you know layman 40 again 40,000 foot view that's what i'm trying to keep sure. for your listeners but um yeah, when when you plant certain crops, um, they use certain resources in the soil, and then um, the soil that's left over looks different from the last one. And um, there can be like waste in, in nitrates or or whatever it is um, that that you then have to like resoil. Um, so to get the most out of your soil, to get the most out of like your ag agricultural resources that you've kind of um, put into your your um, your rotation uh, adding something like hemp does does help um like you said you know it helps use up that waste it helps it helps um kind of yeah. prepare the soil for the next rotation of crop whatever you're putting in awesome well thank you for that forty thousand foot view because that was much better said than i than i said it so it, that's just like my ag background like i, I like i said i worked for yeah. um did marketing for an agricultural company i understood the background what this is totally tangential too but like when you look at what's going on in the dairy industry that's that's kind of scary yeah, right? like say, that's they make up for you know most of our carbon footprint on the planet right now the way we're doing yeah. milk and that's why milk alternatives are really awesome like oat milk and stuff because at least they're they're reducing it by a lot i think the last stat i saw and definitely we should always be accurate on our stats but um 
I think if we were to combine all of the emissions from um, the airline companies, you know, milk still comes on top. The dairy industry still comes on top when it comes to emissions. Yeah, that's, you know, I understand why people go vegan. I mean, and like I said, there's two sides to everything um, because there's there's that scary part. And then that the sad repercussions of that are, you know, um, the beauty of it is that a lot of those uh, cow acres are being converted to like almond acres where at least where the conditions are right for that um, to produce things like almond milk and oat milk. But then you have those dairy farmers and what are their lives like Uh, the people who are being put out of business who run dairy operations. And some of those people, the only thing that they have to give their family is their life insurance. And, so there's a high suicide rate among dairy farmers right now, which is really sad. We don't have to go into it. I know it's not on topic, but no, it's, um, it's there's sad. just like the, the world that we live in is so crazy. And there's all these little yeah. nuances that you don't think about when you walk to the store that, that we as high stick try to think about how, what are the impacts um, all the way down to like, wh- how, how are, like what's happening with the farmer, what's happening with culture. Like what, what is this one thing that's sitting on a shelf ultimately, how does that impact the world? And it's much bigger yeah. than just, than just you know you hitting it i think it might also come from you know whether we're doing it or anyone's doing it's like my friend who plays football in copenhagen every time he comes back and he's just he always says the same thing to me he's like man in america we we just really care about money almost more so than things are than that are just right you know and he you know copenhagen is happiest in the world is their whole slogan kind of is but and it is and another part of that too it's 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 a fraction of the size of, of America that goes to yeah. being devil's advocate for those things. But it's almost like, uh, you know, at this point, especially with all the information we have available to us in 2021, why are we not thinking, okay, this can make me more money, you know, but this could actually help, you know, do good. You know, we don't think those things. And yeah. Yeah, it's very obvious, you know, and you, you, even like the Coke, the whole Coke, you know, conversation we had earlier about it's delicious. It is delicious. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't have a meal without it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's almost like it's almost like, can they do it better? They probably could. That's the thing. Yeah, That's the crazy part. Can. Yeah. You saw can. you're seeing water, water companies come out with paper cart- car- um, cartons now. It's like, why? Yeah. Why not? Oh, because it'll it'll decrease our margins. It's like okay, well, that's cool. But like, is that better in the long run? I don't, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Quick plug too. quick plug. Um, I just want to give a shout out again to um, our, our operations guy, Matthew, who you spoke to Cole, because he, we all have that shared. I mean, we, we all argue um, pretty, you know, about like, we shouldn't be doing and it, Like we're very passionate internally about like what we should and shouldn't be doing, but he does a really good job of like, finding out how we can do better next time. Um, yeah. And that, that reflects in our, in our packaging. Um, we want to move to hundred percent like recycled comes from recycled materials and, and those kinds of things. And there's been like, we could have released our tinctures, you know, months ago, but um, the labeling process wasn't sustainable the way that we wanted it to be. And um, you know, we said, Hey, instead of being um, first to market with uh, this, or instead of being quick to market with this and increasing our overhead, let's just keep exploring um, what it takes to create um, a better product. Like I, I want to give our carts, for example, I don't know what happened to my cart. Oh, here it is. Um, you know, our carts, for example, when you open them up um, there, we had this issue where they were kind of like sliding around inside. Right. And you get these little, yeah. 
little things that you can put them in. Um, and a lot of the industry uses foam or plastic inserts. Uh, and that makes sense because when you put glass in a box, you want that, pl that plastic to protect the glass so that the glass doesn't break uh, mm -hmm. when it gets shipped. Um, we wanted to use paper. Um, and so we, that put a lot of challenges in our way of how do we create these little inserts in a way that um, is sustainable and, and, and how do we do that? Um, so we have kind of like delayed certain things um, for the sake of making sure that, you know, it's up to our personal, um, our personal standards. You know, there was also a period where um, our shipper was using packing peanuts and we were like, what's, what's the safe alternative to that it was poly mailers. So we, we tried, or, um, not polymeros, uh, bubble bubble wrap and bubble mailers, and just you know using recycled plastic and stuff like that for those. But then we were having products break in the mail, so now we're switching over to um, you know shredded paper from recycled sources that can then be recycled. So um, there's a lot that kind of goes into like our process, and um, sure. I just did want to give a shout out to our team there for uh, helping us R and D those solves and, and helping us uh, come out with like the products that we feel look and feel premium. Um, and, and do better, uh, yeah. than the rest of the industry. I love it guys. It's ingenious. I mean, and that's what it takes to keep going in this industry, you know, like even, uh, you, you know, I feel for the, just to not to go back to a depressing topic, but I feel for those dairy farmers and stuff, but you know, like I also would have felt, and this is may, may sound, but it's going to be to the point. Um, I felt for the people that used to have to go around town and write light the lamps at night, you know, to, to keep it bright, you know, but when light bulbs came out and like that was no longer needed, like new jobs came though from that, you know, and it's all about adapting. And so um, I, I hear, I feel for those people out there that are kind of being forced to adapt because we've identified Same thing with the, uh, alarm clocks. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be a guy who would literally come by with a giant stick and bang on your window to wake you up to get, <laughs> to, get to work on time and, and they're out of work. Um, but we have alarm clocks. Right, right. Uh, I hate that guy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with him being out of a job. It's whatever. Let's, <laughs> I'm joking. Let's, let's ask a quick fun question real quick. Let, let's say sure. you were to look at something like uh, the Middle Ages. Um, what, what job do you guys think you would have? Back in the, like, like an obsolete job. I'd be curious I don't think I'm you. built for the Middle Ages. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's, Maybe Justine tough. can provide a provide a good answer. I'd probably be burned at the stake. They'd call me a witch. Yeah, I feel like I wouldn't go with something, <laughs> and and I would be like always questioning, and yeah, I, I, there'd be a problem there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't deal with people questioning things very well back then. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I've always been really interested in like the process of um, carrier pigeons. So if I could go back to the Middle Ages and, and have a job, I'd probably want to be the guy that trains pigeons to carry messages yeah. from city to city. Or messenger falcon would be cooler, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, guys, if you want to talk like Middle Ages, this is just going to show you maybe how baked we are. Like if I... I just think it's crazy that somebody figured out fucking electricity. Cause like, yeah. I can't imagine like if you put me in a time machine and sent me back, like I'd be good for about like eight or 12 hours. And it really wouldn't even be that. Cause I'd look at my phone and I'd be like, I don't have any fucking signal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. At least I'd be able to tell what time it was or whatever. And I would have a flashlight, but after a while the, it's like, 
What's that? Yeah, I was gonna say, was that Nikola Nikola Tesla? Was he the one that? Yeah. Facilitated. It's it? like he it's, it's kind of one of those like. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those sliding things where like um, it wasn't like we, we all give credit to like one person for inventing a thing. Um, but yeah. it's, it's kind of one of those sliding things where like, you know, electricity dif- existed in different forms and different scientists figured out different ways to harness it. But it was like yeah, the one it, guy who figured out how to bring it to homes, you know, even the one whoever it may have been and all those experiments. The thing that was crazy about it is it was something that would fit like I don't, actually I might be wrong with this, but like maybe in a room or something like that. The thing is, like. Like when you walk into a room and you flip a light switch on and the light turns on, like you just expect that to happen. You know what I mean? And like, you don't really think about the fact that somebody had to like run wire through a fucking wall. Not only that, they had to run wire through the fucking ground to your, you know, house, apartment complex, wherever you are. Um, Yeah. I'm just being stupid at this point, Uh, but it's just like, you don't think about those things, you know? So, uh, yeah. And it's interesting to see where history gives credit. Um, There was, like when one of the conversations that's coming up right now in, in culture because of the coronavirus vaccine that's coming out is like, what's the history of vaccines? And, um, you know, the history of vaccines in the U.S. at least, uh, it, it actually started, I believe, and I'm going to butcher the history here because I haven't done my research into it, but I know that it was actually um, an African slave, I believe his name was Onesimus, um, who came to America and... Um, showed his i hate to use this term but like showed his like slave owner um the how like in injecting a piece of a disease or 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 a less potent version of a disease can help you build resistance to other variations of that disease um and that's something that vaccination is now like so prolific because of like onesimus you know that, that african slave who who brought his his cultural knowledge over yeah, it's crazy, like, how I love hearing kind of, I guess, more like the Notes version, because let's be honest, I'm not going to read a biography about a scientist, um, but I love hearing, like, the backstory of how these things came up and how they came to be, because everything, everything that we see in front of us and around us came to be because somebody thought of it somebody had an idea they were able to do it unless you're outside of course that was all natural but um yeah it's i don't really know where i was going with that i pulled a coal and i lost my train of thought no it's it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> crazy too actually I, it was one of my favorite um uh i think it was a montage video on youtube but it was like all of will smith's like his his best speeches but he was talking about what's realistic and and how we how we think about these things and it, to me, it's like it's like that same thing. We we just expect to get on a plane and fly across, but it it is kind of it's so crazy and unrealistic the way you think. You know, you bend a piece of metal and put people on top of it and fly them across an ocean. Yeah, now it's just realistic, which is which is an interesting take on like, you know, re- real being realistic. What he was saying in that was like being realistic is the fastest road to mediocrity. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's deep. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting how like, uh, I'm like very privileged in the sense that I've always had a car, you know? Um, and it's interesting. Like when you choose to walk somewhere, like it's like, Oh yeah, it actually takes like a long fucking time to get there when you're not zooming four wheels, you know? And then you, like you, you say, you brought up the boat, but then also flying, you just like expect these things. We take them for granted, you know, like, Oh, I want to go to Denver in two hours. Cool. Let's do it. 
man. Uh, it rewrites the standards. Uh, it redefines standards for sure. Um, not to plug us again, but that's something that we want to do, you know, like yeah. redefine standards a little bit. Like, um, because, and uh, I'm, I'm just trying to do this to keep us back on, on topic because I know your listeners no, are, yeah, are you. listening to hear about, you know, revisionist history or, or, or whatever. But, um, you know, that's one of the things is like, as, as we reach uh, regulation, we have to get there. Um, we have to like make sure that that products don't kill people um, sure. and and leave like a bad taste uh, in in people's lives and and um, that's one of the things, right? It's just the higher standard that you hold yourself to as even in an unregulated industry, and the more you can kind of prepare for that, um, the better you make the industry look, and the more likely you are to reach that goal of regulation and, and hit the masses with your products. Yeah. So go go ahead and plug again where we can find you online, uh, both your website and social media. Yeah, highstick.com, H-I-I-S-T-I-C-K. Um, there's a funny story why we have two eyes now, but um, yeah, highstick.com. And then uh, Richard, go ahead with the, the, uh, the social handles. Yeah, just on social again, it's, we made it really simple. Just the, our, our name again, highstick, H-I-I stick spelled the normal way throw that into any platform and we're there you see our logo give us a shout out we do a lot of giveaways too we love giving our stuff away for free so um there's a lot of chances for that you know so yeah give us a follow and uh give us a comment if you listen to this podcast with uh chill noise yeah that reminds me let's let's plug your um your discount code yeah, so it's uh, Chillinoy 10, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Let me ju- yeah, let me just double check it. Um, I don't want to give people the wrong discount code. Yeah, no, hey, I hear you there. Yeah, so it, folks, is, it is It is. It is Chillinoy 10. Um, hey, check so that out. Cole's memory is right on point. Uh, so, <laughs> folks, I'm going to have Ian tell, tell you about this, but this is exciting. This is the first time uh, we've really – uh, I mean, we've done this with Vape Part Smart as well. So we've got, uh, you know, code IL trees you can use on Vape Part Smart. But um, this is the first time we've done something with a, a company, uh, you know, and we, we're actually getting something back. So this is a way you can support the podcast. So Ian, tell us, tell our listeners about uh, this little partnership we've got. Yeah. So if you guys want to support um, Cole and Justine and their podcast, just the whole Chillinoy movement. Um, you can use discount code Chillinoy10 at checkout. So that's C H I L L I N O I S 10. Hopefully I yep. spelled that right. Yep. Um, yeah. So Chillinoy10, that gets you 10% off. Um, and that is good for all products on our site. And then that gets, um, ch- we give Chillinoy 10% back as well. So um, we, we kind of give them that discount that you guys get. We reimburse them that difference and that, that helps support the channel um, as kind of a, a thank you for us to Chillinoy, who's been so great to us. And Cole, I know, I mean, we are on this podcast, what is it? Like it's the end of January and you and I have been talking since the summer. Um, yeah. So, and it's, and it's been kind of a long process, um, but we've had a back and forth. We've kind of chatted about our personal lives, which is great. And um, so we're just really like thankful to be on your podcast and, um, to be talking with you and Justine, and, um, we wanted to create that code to kind of give back to your to you guys as well as your as your listeners. Yeah, we appreciate it. We're gonna have you back on. Uh, you know, if you're if of course if you're interested, um, I'm gonna be sending you out uh, some time slots uh, 
it'll we're but we're pretty booked folks so that's exciting to hear for listeners that like this show right we're pretty booked so but we'll be having you guys back on in the future and the reason i say that folks is if there's anything that came up uh through this podcast or if anything comes up in between now and then right if you check out high stick um at highstick.com or on you know their social medias at high stick um if anything comes up shoot us a message um and we can answer your question on air you know so we're all about that and maybe we'll even try to do something live next time guys if you're interested in that we can try to set up like a live stream of some sort and that way if people have questions while we're talking they can even pitch that ends that's something we've been trying to work on so yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I touched on the manufacturing process. I know that that's a lot of the questions that we get is on, is on manufacturing. Sure. Um, I work on the marketing side. Uh, Richard and I both work on the marketing side. He, work, he works a lot in the production um, of content side and, and managing our social channels and all that stuff. So, um, you know, if, if people aren't satisfied with the answers that we've given or um, feel that they want to kind of get more into the nitty gritty of, of how this thing is made and you know, when, it, when it gets to like what solvents you're using and all that stuff. I mean, yeah. I think for the general public, you know, those COAs should be kind of good enough that show you that we've tested for everything all the way down to residual solvents and um, there's 0% across the board. But if we want to get into a deeper conversation about that, we can definitely have um, someone else on the podcast from our team as well to kind of t- just, just talk about that nitty gritty. Um, so cool. Thanks. Well, Ian, Richard, any, uh, final thoughts before we hop off there? Nope. Not for me. Just grateful to be here for sure. And looking forward to future talks. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to this relationship with you guys. I would also like to say if you guys are interested, you guys as in the listeners, um, if, if you all are, are interested in understanding about how you can kind of um, reform the cannabis laws in your state. So Delta, it is federally legal across the country. Um, there are certain states that don't allow any kind of hemp product whatsoever, not even CBG. And if you're, if you're in one of those states and you're looking for ways um, that you can kind of reform those laws, uh, we have resources on our site. Um, you can also reach out to us directly um, at say hi um, at highstick.com. Um, and that's on our site as well. So you can just fill out your contact form and we're, we're happy to, um, you know, spend, we have a, a team of gra- a great team of guys and we're happy to spend um, some of our time helping you reform the laws in your state and giving you the resources. Um, we're also very responsive on Instagram and Facebook. So um, if you have questions there, um, or you want resources there, we're, we're happy to, to help. Cool. Well, thanks guys. I really appreciate it. Um, cheers, Chillinoy. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks guys. <laughs>